I spelled his name wrong for the announcement sheet. It's W-A-G-N-E-R, and he says the other is the Western people that have wagons or something. Uh, I said you sell wagons all day long. I guess you were just used to spelling wagon. Uh, Chad is my friend and brother in Christ, and he is, uh, I, I guess you would consider him the director or the manager or something along that line of the African Christian Schools Foundation. And he is a tireless worker for the Lord he just involved in a lot of things beyond that. He has uh, his wife, and he and his wife, they have five children and and some grandchildren. I don't know. Five grandchildren? Five grandchildren. And uh, he drove up here from Arkansas last night, spent the night with us, and he's driving back today. And, and he's just tireless in raising money for Christian schools and for the work in God's kingdom. So I'm going to present to you Chad Wagner. Good morning, brethren. I am thankful that you're having a potluck after services, so that way I don't have to stress about time as much. Now, some of you, oh, yeah, a little awkward chuckle. There we go. Uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. What is Chad Wagner doing here? I mean, I look at your, your bulletin, and I listen to your mission presentations today. I mean, look at that. Um, Venezuela, okay, yeah, Jamaica, oh, that's nice, uh, Nicaragua, um, Nicaragua, um, Nicaragua, and then uh, Panama, and then uh, Nicaragua, and then uh, Nicaragua, right, and then right down here, Panama, right, I mean, so I, I see you got a lot of going on in Nicaragua and Jamaica uh, and, and Panama, Central and South America, and of course, in the midst of all of those is Nigeria. I, I don't know if that fits exactly right, but I am very thankful to have the opportunity to be able to be with you today, to be able to talk a little bit about what is going on in Nigeria. There are some serious issues going on in the church in Nigeria, but right now I want to ask you a question. What kind of church is the church here at Jefferson Avenue? Now, you might say, well, Jefferson Avenue, you know, preacher's kind of boring. You know, I don't know, right? Uh, you know, the, the elders and deacons, uh, they, they don't know what, to, I don't know what you're going to say, you know. You might say, hey, this is a friendly loving church, you know, to this one guy, this other person over here, these people might say, oh, these people are snobs, you know, uppity kind of folks. You know, I don't know what you're going to say about the church here at Jefferson Avenue. My personal experience is that you are a very welcoming congregation, very thankful to be here with you, and I'm, I'm hopefully to know you're very faithful to the Lord. Now, we're going to be in one of those scary books of the Bible, what is the scariest book of the Bible? It is Halloween season, right? What is the scariest book in the Bible? Anybody know? Oh, it says right up here. Revelation, right? Revelation is full of very interesting images like beasts and dragons and all kinds of war and famine and 
all kinds of things going on. But this morning, I want to ask the question, what kind of church is the church here at Jefferson Avenue? Let's go ahead and start in Revelation. Go ahead. Ah, there we go. Revelation 2. We're going to start in verses 1 this morning. Revelation 2 and the verses 1. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the golden lampstands. Verse 2, he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars, and have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first what? Left your first what? You see, this church at Ephesus is a good congregation, right? I mean, they're, they're sound in the faith, good brethren, preaching firm the gospel of Jesus Christ and making sure that everything that they do is just right according to the scriptures. And that's a very good thing to do. But this church at Ephesus, even though in their quest to have everything just right... They had left off something very important, and that is love. You see, so oftentimes, if we preach the truth, but we do it without love, we use the Bible as a hammer or as a cleaver instead of a healer for all the nations. So many times, churches lose focus on what is truly, truly important. We should speak the truth How? In love. Love for our God and love for our brethren. Go ahead and turn turn the page there. Turn the page. I'm going to tell you about Nigeria. Nigeria is lovingly, I say, in the armpit of Africa, as you could say, uh, right there in the crook uh, of, of Africa. Africa is a very large continent. In fact, over here is Nigeria. Nigeria is a country of 200 million people, right? Now, Nigeria is a country the size of Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and most of Arkansas, right? And so it's not a small country by any chance, by any means. It's a fairly large country. Go ahead. But in Nigeria, there's a lot of confusion that's going on there. Go ahead. If you have diseases, brethren, in Nigeria, listen, listen, you can be healed by snakes. And go ahead. You know what? The pastor, so-called pastor, can stand on you, you know, like one of those cheerleader pyramids, you know what I'm saying, right? Can heal you in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. You can be stood upon by the pastor and the leaders of the church. Go ahead. These are actual pictures from churches in Nigeria. If you really, brethren, want to be holy, and all of us want to be holy, 
You can go out there to the churchyard and eat grass of the churchyard. Go ahead. You can spray insecticide into your face or go ahead, even better, uh, you can be tied together, you know, in order to be healed from some of the diseases and, and the things that are going on in your life. Go ahead. Or, ladies, if you're having a problem with your pregnancy, the pastor can kick you in the stomach. Now, my wife's an OB nurse, and I don't remember her ever suggesting that as a possible, you know, remedy for anything. Go ahead. There is a lot of religious confusion and error. In fact, in Nigeria, this country of 200 million people, the north of Nigeria is primarily Muslim. The southern part of Nigeria is primarily Christian. And when I mean Christian, I mean some Catholic, but predominantly charismatic. A lot of Pentecostal-style churches are over there. In fact, if you have no job skills... If you have no education, uh, if you have, you know, no, no way of getting a job, hey, the Lord can speak to you and you can start your own church. And there's all kinds of churches out there. And I can tell you all kinds of stories of things that are going on in Nigeria. Now listen, Nigeria is a country with unemployment rate of 39%. I even saw one that is at 54% unemployment rate. It's a huge, huge deal. So let me ask you a question. Go ahead. What kind of church is the church at Jefferson Avenue? What is the answer for Africa? Go ahead. What kind of church is the church here at Jefferson Avenue? Is it a church like the church at Ephesus? A church without love? Or is it the church at uh, at Pergamum? Let's go ahead and look over at Revelation 2 and verses 12. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. He says in verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Verse 14, but I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit immorality. Now, you remember the story of Balaam and his donkey, right? That is one of my favorite stories that I would often tell my children. When I would put them to bed at night, I would tell them the story, and they would often ask, For the story of Balaam and his donkey. You remember the donkey, right? Can see the angel of the Lord, right? But Balaam cannot. Now, Balak was a king who was very nervous and anxious about the Israelites coming into his land. And so he wanted Balaam, the prophet, to go and curse the children of Israel. You remember this story. And so Balak sends to Balaam... And says, you know what? If you go and curse the children of Israel, I'll give you this much money. And Balaam says, no, I'm not going to do that. Balak sends back a second time. He says, you know, if you go and curse the children of Israel, I'll give you this much money. Balaam says, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Balak sends a third time to Balaam and says, If you go and curse the children of Israel, I'll give you this much money. And Balaam says, How, how much money is that? Right? He gets a little confused about the money, money we're talking about here. Money is a very confusing thing. Now, Balaam is willing at that time to compromise his beliefs. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking around here at the auditorium. I mean, we've got got, uh, room for some more folks. There's a church in Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos is a city of 21 million people, three times the size of New York City, if you're counting. Uh, There's this church. There are many churches of Christ in Lagos, but there's one in particular called the Ikeja Church of Christ, close to the airport I go to often. And when you go in, there's four ushers. And those ushers, once you get there, the, the, the church building is already full. And they will take you down and they will make everybody scoot over, right? So they can find a place. They have to push people into that church building, which is a great, great thing. So as we look around here at this church building, we got a lot of room. I mean, look around to your left and right. There's a lot of room, you know. We, we, you, how many people can you sit in here? 500, 600 folks can probably sit in here. I don't know how many is here this morning. And so I was thinking, you know, Brother David Fox, you're one of the elders here, right? Yeah, I was thinking, one of the, you know, we all want the growth of the church, right? We all want the church to grow. We all want more souls to be saved. And, and we want this auditorium to be full, just like that church in Lagos, right? And so I was thinking, Brother David, you know, we could, uh, you know, bring in something that might be interesting. What do you think, you know? Uh, You know, a lot of people are very interested in music. You know, that's very, very important. You listen to all kinds of stuff, especially in the highway. If you got your windows rolled down, you're going to hear all kinds of doom, 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 right? All kinds of things going on. So I was thinking, Brother David, you know, we could right up here, just over here to the side, not in the front, but maybe over to the side, bring in, you know, some drums or something. What do you think? Maybe someone playing, you know, the guitar? Probably Probably not, right? Now, I think, I think, Sam, you said uh, that you guys just hired a preacher, right? When was it? A year or so ago? Really? Three years ago? You know, preachers only live, you know, stay about three years on average in one church. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Now, if you, if I don't, I haven't, I don't, I don't know if I met your preacher or not, but, uh, hey, if he ever leaves, Sam, I know someone who might be good for this church, Right? I know someone who might be good for this church. She lives next door to me, and she is real good public speaker, right? Did y'all hear that? She, right? What do you think about that? There's a lot of churches in, in the United States and throughout the world who just like the church at Pergamum are willing to compromise the principles of the New Testament gospel. The, 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 the motives are good. They want people to come into the auditorium. They want a full church and they want to have good giving. And I appreciate that. And I applaud those efforts. But in order to do that, many churches are willing to compromise their beliefs. 
So what about the church here at Jefferson Avenue? Are you willing to compromise your beliefs? Go ahead. You know, with all the religious confusion and error going on in Nigeria, go ahead. You know, what is that answer for Africa? What's the answer for Nigeria? Go ahead. I want to tell you about this guy here in the brown jacket. His name is Anthony Aluria, good friend of mine. He, uh, he, he is doing a great work in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. In fact, go ahead. This is uh, uh, him at this new church plant. This is the third, his personal third church plant in Port Harcourt. What he does is he plants a church, he builds it up, gets it to the point where he can have a supported preacher and elders and deacons. And so at that point, what does he do? Does he sit back and kind of let the church do its thing? No. He finds a preacher, hires them for that church, and then he goes off and plants another church in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Go ahead. This guy here, his name is Reuben Egu, very dear friend of mine with his children here. Go ahead. Reuben is a converted Muslim. He had a lot of questions about the Islamic faith, and the Islamic teacher there couldn't answer those questions. Go ahead. And so what he did is, in, in response to that Islamic education in his area, he started his own primary school for children to give Christian families an alternative to Islamic teaching, which is very predominant in his area. Go ahead. He's also a fish farmer. He does a lot of fish farming, does a lot of good work with that. Go ahead. Let me tell you about Uyai Joshua. This guy on the right-hand side, dear friend of mine, lives in Aquiabum State. Uyai works for one of our schools there. All these guys I'm talking about are products of our schools in Nigeria. Uyai graduated, and he currently works with one of our schools. He's also very active with World Bible School in Aquiabum State. Go ahead. Uh, this is him speaking at those churches. Go ahead. The answer to all the evil and suffering in the world, and there's a lot of evil and suffering in this world. There's a, there's a lot of issues and challenges, but the answer for all of those channel, uh, challenges, the answer for all that religious confusion, is good men doing good work with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going to end evil and suffering. Listen, we're not going to end evil and suffering through political change. We're not going to end it with a military change. We're not going to end it with uh, other things that you might think in this world that we can do. We're never going to put out totally evil and suffering. The only way to do that is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to continue to support good brethren who are doing good work in Nigeria and throughout the world. Go ahead. So we got to ask ourselves, you know, the church here at Jefferson Avenue, are you a church that has lost your love for God and maybe you lost your love for others? Are you a church here at Jefferson Avenue willing to compromise your beliefs the principles upon which all of us have stood upon for so many years? Or are you like the church at Thyatira, a church of immorality? Let's look at chapter 2 in the verses 18. Chapter 2 in the verses 18, the Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God who has the eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. He says, I know your works, love, service, 
faith and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now let me ask you a question. Just raise your hand if you are one of these individuals. How many of you have named your child Jezebel? I mean, just raise it. High and proud, right? Anybody? I don't, I don't, anybody over there? Anybody over there? I don't think so. Matter of fact, I have given this lesson all throughout the world, and I have never in my life met anyone who has named their child Jezebel. Why? Because we know who that woman is, don't we? We know the immorality that she uh, inflicted upon the children of God there in Israel. She was an evil woman bringing immoral living to the people under her kingdom. Now here in Revelation 2 in the verses 18, uh, Jesus is speaking uh, to that church at Thyatira that there is a prophetess, a so-called prophetess named Jezebel there. Now, brethren, I don't know if her actual name was Jezebel or if she was a woman with teaching like Jezebel. That's the way I would say. But this woman here in the church of Thyatira, she is teaching and seducing members of the churches of Christ to commit immorality. But brethren, listen. That's not, listen, that's not the issue that Jesus is addressing. That's not the issue that Jesus is addressing. And yes, this woman, this so-called Jezebel, so-called prophet, is teaching and seducing members of the church to commit immorality. But I want you to know what the real issue here is in Thyatira. Uh, Look in chapter 2. He says in verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you do what? The church does what? They allow that woman to continue teaching and seducing and bringing people away over to her immoral activities. You see, so oftentimes churches are very concerned about keeping the status quo, right? Keeping everything just right in the church. And sometimes, brethren, it's easier to look over there to avoid the problem over here. So many times I have seen it in many churches where you'll have a new member come into the church, right? In Nigeria, we call it a big man, big man, right? Uh, They'll have a new member come into the church, and this guy has nice clothes. His wife has nice clothes. Perhaps they drive a nice car. And they come into the church, and before you know it, they're putting big money into the collection plate, right? Oh, man, things are, God is surely blessing us here at this church. And, and then we're so thankful for this brother here who's, who's really big part of the giving. And that, that brother is very kind, very humble, giving big money for about six months or about a year. And then that brother starts suggesting changes, starts wanting to have decisions made in his favor. 
Starts wanting things made differently at the church with him at the center. I have seen it many times, brethren, when people with money come into the church and they want to be the big man in the congregation. And you know what the problem is? The problem is not that. The problem is the leadership dependent upon that money. And they don't want to make that brother mad. Now just like this church at Thyatira, that church allows immorality to continue. What about the church here at Jefferson Avenue? Do you allow immorality to continue? Do you have problems in the church and maybe you're looking over here to the left to avoid the problems on the right? Go ahead. I want to tell you about this guy here named C-A-O-S-N. Brother Essien is a Nigerian police officer who lived, this picture is from the early 1950s. Now, about, say about, I'd say about 1950, I don't know the date right offhand, uh, but he is a Nigerian police officer on his beat doing his thing, and he is, you know, walking along the path, and he comes along, listen, a Bible tract that was written and sent to soldiers in Eastern Europe. Now, only the Lord knows how that Bible tract sent to Europe made its way to the bush of Nigeria. Only the Lord knows that. Brother Essien got that Bible tract. He started reading that Bible tract, and he says, you know what? This church is the church of the Bible that I've been looking for. Now, that Bible tract became eventually World Bible School. He looked on the back of that Bible tract, and it said the Lawrence Avenue Church of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee. And so he started writing to the Lawrence Avenue Church here in Nashville, and he started corresponding with them, and they would send more lessons. And Brother Essien here, he would share those lessons with his family and friends and co-workers, and people were studying, and it was interesting, and the church in Nashville, they, they were sending lessons and Bibles, and, and then eventually Brother Essien wrote the church in Nashville and says, according to our study, we need to be baptized to be saved. But he said, there's no missionary here to baptize us. What do we do? <laughs> well, the church in Nashville said, well, we guess you just baptize yourselves, you know, baptize each other. And so that's what happened. Brother Essien baptized his friend, and his friend baptized Brother Essien, and they just kind of went on. And so that church in Nashville said, you know what? Something is going on in Nigeria. Let's go send some missionaries. And so they eventually sent Boyd Reese and Eldred Eccles. If you're familiar with missions, you know those two names from history. They went over to Nigeria and they found Brother Essien in a Quibum state, which is not easy to find. And when they got to Brother Essien, they, they got to that, to, to that area, and they found that Brother Essien, without any missionaries, without any preacher training, without anything going on, Brother Essien had already baptized 10,000 souls into Jesus Christ. And he had already converted several denominational churches over to the New Testament church. And those two missionaries says, you know what? These Nigerians don't need our help to do the mission work for them. All they need is preacher training. And so that's how, brethren, the church got started in Nigeria. Go ahead. Now, Nigeria today is a country of 200 
million souls. It's Africa's most populous country by far. And the churches of Christ in Nigeria are thriving. They are booming. There's not a month or a week that goes by when I do not get a report on my phone or in my email of a new church being planted, a seminar being successfully done with baptisms, you know, 30 baptisms over here. The churches of Christ in Nigeria are thriving and doing well. But I want you to notice that third point there, that there are more churches of Christ in Nigeria than there are in the entire United States. That's number of congregations, and that's members of the churches of Christ. Right now, the best estimate, because we don't have a good estimate, a good count, the best estimate is there are one million members of the churches of Christ just in Nigeria, and primarily in the southern part of Nigeria. So that means from 1950 to today, 73 years, over 1 million people have come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well over 1 million people. Because there are 1 million uh, members of the church alive today. The churches of Christ in Nigeria are showing no signs of slowing down. Go ahead. Now, The Church of Jefferson Avenue, are you a church that has lost your love? Are you a church that allows immorality to continue? Are you a church that is willing to, you know, compromise your beliefs? Or are you like the church of Philadelphia? Let's look at Revelation 3 and the verses 7. Revelation 3 and the verses 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, He who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And you have, for you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, wait a minute there, Brother Sam. I I was looking back here in Revelation 3, and I'm looking at this church of Philadelphia. You know, brethren, where where is the negative on that? Did you see a negative on that section? Brother Fox, do you see a a negative in that passage there, Revelation 3 to Philadelphia? I sure don't. You see, the church of Philadelphia, you know, this is a church of opportunity. A church of opportunity. And that opportunity is opened because of God. That opportunity is open because he is willing to partner with that church and that church is willing to walk through that open door. In fact, it says in Revelation 3 and verse 7 that these things says he who is Jesus, who is holy, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and who shuts and no one opens. I want to ask the the obvious questions here. If Jesus opens a door... Who's going to close it? Nobody. But if Jesus closes that door, who's going to open it? Nobody. Because Jesus is the one with the keys to be able to open and shut whatever he wants to open and shut. Jesus has that authority. And to the church in Philadelphia, he has given them, because of his authority, an opportunity to reach others for Jesus Christ. 
and the church here at Jefferson Avenue, you have an opportunity to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is ask yourself the question, what kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be a church without love? Do we want to be a church willing to compromise? Do we want to be a church that is allowing immoral teaching to continue? Or do we want to be a church with the authority of Jesus Christ to use the opportunity that God is giving to you? Now this morning, I looked on the way over here, the Powerball jackpot is at $125 million. Now listen, you can go out today and buy a ticket for the Powerball, okay? But listen, your chance of winning the Powerball is 1 in 290 million. 1 in 290 million of you winning the Powerball. Let me give you this this statistic for getting struck by lightning. You are likely to be struck by lightning one time in your life, one in 15,000. You are much more likely to be struck by lightning ten times in your lifetime than you are to win the Powerball. So that, brethren, why are you giving your money there? So many of us, we want to invest in, uh, I had someone tell me all about cryptocurrency, 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 Bitcoin this and Bitcoin that. Hey, you know what? I did a little bit of that because I was just kind of curious, lost my digital shirt in that, right? Is that really where we should be putting our money? Using the opportunity that God provides. Go ahead. I want to tell you all about African Christian schools. Go ahead. Well, no, no, don't go ahead yet. Sorry, sorry. Go back, go back, go back. Yeah. In African Christian schools, just so you know, we have two Bible colleges in Nigeria. The original one, Nigerian Christian Bible College, that's in the southeast part of Nigeria, been going since 1954. Okay, still going strong today. Our new one is in the West called the West Nigeria Christian College, located just north of Lagos, the city of 21 million people. Uh, Go ahead. Nigerian Christian Bible College, there's the main office building. We have about 140 Bible and ministry students. Uh, Most of them are on campus. We also have some extension courses. Go ahead. This is some of our classroom buildings there we just had redone. Go ahead. This is one of our lectureships. We have an annual lectureship every year where we have, listen, uh, let me think for a second. Um, I just saw the lectureship at Faulkner University. Faulkner University had their lectureship and they were boasting 1,200 to 1,500 people at their lectureship every day, which is great. At our lectureship at NCBC, we have over 6,000 people every day that come from all over the country to hear and to be educated and to be edified at the lectureship. Go ahead. We often have, I think this year we had 43 baptisms at our lectureship. At our school in the West, we have about 100 uh, Bible and ministry students. We also have a vibrant vocational program. Go ahead. Uh, this is our lectureship we have there. We have a big lectureship there every year. Those are in August. We also have preacher seminars in May. We have some other things going on throughout the year. Go ahead. We also have a vibrant vocational program. Now, 
a public school teacher in Nigeria makes $250 a month. That's entry level, you know, straight out of college. That public school teacher makes $250 a month. Now, the highest paid preacher that I know of in Nigeria, and I know a lot of preachers in Nigeria, the highest paid, most experienced, the highest paid preacher at the richest church in Nigeria makes $200 a month. And he's been preaching for decades and decades with years of experience. Most preachers in Nigeria make $10, 5 to $10 a month from their churches. There's just not a lot of money in preaching, just so you know, right? And so in order to do that at our Bible schools, we offer vocational programs. We, uh, we teach them how to start and run their own pig farm. Go ahead. Start and run their own chicken project. Go ahead. Start and run their own fish farm. So now we've got pigs, right? We've got chickens, right? We've got, what's the other one? Fish. You know, what's the next logical course? Go ahead. Computers, right? We, we teach them how to take a computer apart, put it back together. We teach them how to operate computers, computer networking. We teach them about Android phone repair. So that way, you know, with these vocational skills, these guys can leave our Bible institutes. They can go back to their village and they can provide some extra income, some tent making skills like the Apostle Paul, so that way they can be able to work in these small churches and also have some money to help their family. Go ahead. The possibilities are endless in Nigeria. I want to close with a few more things for you to think about. Nigeria is a country of 200 million people. Some are are even estimating it's over that. In fact, as the growth trend continues, by the end of this century, the population of Nigeria will overtake that of the United States. And their best estimates are there are one million members of the Churches of Christ in Nigeria. And we thank God for all that. But listen, that is still only 0.5. 5% of the population of Nigeria. One million members of the church, but that's still only 0.5% of the population of that country. There is a lot of work that needs to be done. As we think about all of these things, all these different mission points, uh, on, on one hand, listen, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, well, six elders here, right? You have more elders at this church than there are regular missionaries that go to Nigeria. There's only five that I can count. Now, there may be some that may visit here and there a little bit, but five regular missionaries. I'm one of those. I'm involved in Bible colleges. I'm involved with preacher training. I'm involved with supporting preachers. I'm involved with orphanages. I'm involved with church buildings. I'm involved with a lot of things because there's not enough hands on the plow to do the work. And we need churches like you to send us missionaries to go and do this work. But brethren, we need people willing to give up your life Give up your house. Give up your job. I've done that twice now. Give up those things that the America says is successful. And go and do the real work of the Lord. You have three preachers at your church. There's five missionaries 
for over one million Christians. Now you can put your money in the Powerball if you want to do that. I'm not going to say that's right or wrong. You can put your money in the cryptocurrency or the, the stock market. I don't know. I don't know about, all, about any of that stuff. You can put your money in a lot of different things. But brethren... You can also invest your money that makes an eternal difference in the cause of Christ. Works like African Christian schools, the work in Nicaragua, the other mission points that you are working in, that is an investment that you are making that makes eternal dividends to your benefit and all, brethren, to the glory of God. I want to encourage you. To not only give of your means sacrificially, but I want to encourage you, brethren, to consider going. Go and see what's going on in the mission field. Go and visit. You don't have to have a a Bible degree to go and do that, no. You don't have to have specialized training, no. You don't have to have speaking two or three or four different languages, no. All that you need to do is to go. The Lord needs you. The church needs you. The churches of Christ throughout the world need you. We need you to go. We need you to send. We need you to be interested in the eternal difference that mission work is making in the churches of Christ throughout the world. So let me ask you the question. As we have thinking about mission work, as we're thinking about the best investment of our funds, whether it's going to be in crypto, whether it's going to be in Powerball, whether it's going to be in the eternal difference of missions, right? Where do you want to put your spiritual investments? What kind of church do you want to be? Do you want to be a church without love? Do you want to be a church that is willing to compromise your beliefs? Do you want to be a church that is willing to allow immorality to continue? Or do you want to be the church that sees the mission field white under harvest? The need for missionaries to go and to preach and to teach. The need for all of these good works going on throughout the world. Do you want to be the church that meets the needs and sees the opportunity just like the church of Philadelphia? This morning... What kind of church do you want to be? What kind of Christian do you want to be? A Christian willing this morning to use that opportunity that God has given to you to give of your means to that mission work. But this morning, we want to give everyone the opportunity to be able to listen and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 in the verses 23, he says, For the wages of sin is... Anybody know? Uh Uh-huh, right? The wages means, wages is what? That means the reward for our work, right? We all know what wages is. We all know what that is, a paycheck. And so the reward, the paycheck for our sin, another word for sin might be disobedience. Whether we, you know, intentionally disobey God's word or we disobey by not completely fulfilling God's word, we're disobeying him. We're rebelling against his authority. And the reward for our disobedience, the reward for our rebellion against God is what? Is death. That means an eternal separation from Jesus Christ. None of us want that. 
That's why we do missions. Is because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be with God for all of eternity. And we want as many people as possible to be in heaven with us. If you are here this morning and you realize that you are living in disobedience to God. You are living in rebellion against His authority. Today is a fine day to get your life right with God. If you are here and you realize that you need to repent, make a change in your life, perhaps you're ready to become a Christian, you're ready to put off that old man and become a new person in Jesus Christ, we have that opportunity for you this morning. Because that verse in Romans 6 and verse 23 continues on. He says, for the wages of sin is death. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning you have that opportunity to be the church that you want to be, to be the Christian that you want to be, to be the follower and disciple of Jesus Christ that you, all of us, really deep down want to be. If there's any way we can help you, please come forward as we stand and sing.